We're continuing the Shir in Halikuti Alochas, Yoradeya Chelek Aleph, Hilchas Avoida Salilim, Halacha Beis, Paragraph Zion. Today's learning is dedicated Lilo Nishmas, Meir Ben Sabut, Meir Ben Shaul, whose Yorzai is today on the 8th of Elul, and also Lilo Nishmas, Tuv Yibra Bisrol Yitzchok, Yerachmiel Daniel Ben Gedalia, and Rosa Basi Tamar. Also, for a complete refuah shalema for all those that need it, including Chaviva Chana Basgalia, Avram David Ben Chana, Hindachasa Bas Chana, Miriam Esther Basori Gittel, Yusma Hendel Bas Gittleia, Sororochel Bas Yuspendel, Avivilona Bas Yuspendel, Eitan Yoel Ben Edna, Tuvietzi Ben Chaya Aliza, Yafa Bas Dvoira, Dvoira Bas Yafa, Tzion Ben Sora, Miriam Soraliana Bas Yehudas Dvoira, Rus Alexandra Estrachaya Bas Luna Patricia, Mazel Bat Zahava, <coughs> Yehuda Ben Soramaya, and his mother Soramaya, Chaim Ben Rachel, Nisim Ben Rivka, Shlomo Nisim Ben Mazel, Moshe David Elio Ben Risha, Jonas Ben Hilda, Shira Dvoira Bas Miriam, Avigail Brocha Bas Shira Dvoira, Soralei Bas Chavaliba, Shimon Zvulun ben Soraleya, Levi Elimelech ben Rochel Udl, Boruch Mordechai ben Tali, Besoich Shar Choli Yisrael. We're continuing on the topic of a Jew versus Lahavdal, a non-Jew, as far as when they make something into an idol, and if they decide they want to nullify it from being an idol. Rav Nosenzal says, based on what we learned in the previous paragraph, that it's the Jewish people that are attached to the king, to Hashem, alone. And the Torah and the Jewish people and Hashem are one. And they are the soul and the spirituality and the life of all of the worlds. And, and we have no connection to the physicality, to the gashmias of everything whatsoever. Whereas the ho'akum, whereas the non-Jews, heim bechinas guf they are the body, the physicality, the, the matter. And that's where Avoidazora can easily attach itself to. Now Rab Nosazal adds a qualifier. We know the truth is that non-Jews are also are commanded by Hashem not to worship idols. It's one of the Sheva Mitzvahs of the, of the Bnei Noyach. Ki ho'akum sheim b'chin azguf v'choymer heim tzrichem lahachmiya ulehizbatel legabi hanefesh v'atzura. Because the non-Jews who we said are like the body and like the physical matter, they're supposed to humble themselves and nullify themselves to the soul, to the spirituality, Shehem Yisrael, which is the Jewish people. Just like the body 
is supposed to humble itself and negate itself to the soul. Vizehu ikar tikun ha'ilam. And that's the real tikkun of the whole world, when things are functioning in that way, that the soul is in charge and the body is subservient to it, when the Jewish people are on top and all the other nations are subservient to them. as it'll be in the future. As we mentioned this Pasuk earlier, a Pasuk in Svanya, where it says there'll come a time when Hashem will turn, or, turn around all the nations of the world, they will all call, call out to Hashem. At that time in the future, all of the other nations will be very subservient to the Jewish nation. As the Pasuk says, that ten members of each and every one of the nations of the Goyim will grab onto the corner of the garment of a Jew and say, we want to go with you. Because we've heard that Hashem is with you. And then in the future, the idol worship will be eliminated completely from the world. And all idols will be destroyed completely. Because the physical will come be completely null and void to the spiritual. The body to the soul. The non-Jews to the Jewish people. And in the future, the Jewish people will always be deeply attached to Hashem. And we will elevate and attach everything to Hashem. And that's the real ultimate purpose of the creation of all the worlds. However, now, when all of these other nations are far from the Jewish people, not only that, but they want to control us. They want to be in charge of us. That's what makes it possible for idol worship and denial of Hashem to exist. These are examples of the physical trying to overpower and control the spiritual. And therefore, Now we go back to the halacha that we're trying to understand here. At first, when a Jew creates an idol for himself, it's definitely impossible for it to become an idol immediately, the moment he formed it. Because as we learned here, a Jew is the furthest thing in the world from, from idols. A Jew is the opposite of, of idols and idol worship. 
ועל כן אי אפשר שתהיה נאסס עבודי זורה עד שתאובן. And therefore this physical idol that this Jew made or built cannot become, doesn't become an idol until the Jew actually worships it. But one second, you just told me that a Jew is very far from an idol, nothing to do with an idol. Because a human being definitely has free choice. And when a Jew actually worships this thing, by doing that, he tears away the life, the spiritual life of that thing totally from its source, and it becomes an actual idol, and therefore from that point on, you're not allowed to have any pleasure whatsoever from that thing. It becomes a forbidden object. You're not allowed to sell it. You can't have any benefit from it whatsoever. Whereas a non-Jew, the moment a non-Jew shapes or forms or constructs something to be an idol, even before he worships it, it becomes an idol. Because non-Jews are naturally very close to, to idols and idol worship. Because that's his portion, as we discussed in the previous year. And therefore, very easily, simply by the Goy designating something to be an idol, even without worshipping it yet, it becomes an idol. However, afterwards, once the item already becomes an idol, whether it was formed by a Jew or a Havdal by a Goy, regarding nullifying it, removing its status as an idol, we have the exact opposite situation of what we just described. Because something which was designated as an idol by a Jew, and the Jew worshipped it, once he worshipped it, it can never lose that status. It's an idol forever, and it has to be destroyed. Whereas an idol that's made by a non-Jew and worshipped by the non-Jew, it can become nullified. Its status as an idol can become nullified. Because the non-Jew, because he represents the physical, the body, which is where Avodah is connected, it's just that, as we learned earlier, the non-Jew is supposed to nullify himself and make him subservient to the Jew, just like the body is supposed to be subservient to the soul. And if the non-Jew would do that, if the non-Jew would make himself subservient to the Jew, by doing that, his whole life and everything in his possession 
would become connected to holiness. But so long as the non-Jew does not attach himself and make himself subservient to the Jew, and especially when the non-Jew disconnects himself completely from a Jew, and he makes an idol for himself, so now that idol has no spiritual life whatsoever. Where should it get spiritual life from? Since the non-Jew detached himself completely from the Jewish people. The Jewish people who are the, the life energy and the soul of the entire world. Therefore, this idol that was made by a non-Jew and worshipped by the non-Jew, who is completely detached from the Jewish people, since that idol has no holy life to it, therefore it's not forbidden, it's just as long as it's still considered an idol, so long as it's considered an idol, it's totally detached from the Jewish people. However, the moment the non-Jew decides that it's no longer an idol, and he considers it mamish, you know, he takes it out of its status of an idol completely, that object goes back to its original status. And now that object can still become attached to the Jewish people and return to the, to the ballpark of holiness. That's an idol that was made by a non-Jew and worshipped by a non-Jew. Avol Yisroel, whereas the Jewish people, Shehem biatzmam hachius shokol hadvorim, they are the life of everything in this world. Kishehu noifel when a Jew falls to such a low place where he makes an idol for himself, that Jew is detaching himself from holiness and plugging himself into an idol, into Avodah and therefore the idol that he makes and worships can never be nullified from its status as an idol. Because that idol received some spiritual energy, some spiritual life as a result of the fact that it was made by a Jew and worshipped by a Jew. The Jewish people in, in our source are the life of everything in the world. And that idol that was made by this Jew and worshipped by this Jew 
There's no tikkun for it other than to destroy it completely, burn it, bury it, dis- take it out of the world, destroy it from the world completely. The Yoshuv el Hashem v'irachamehu, and then the Jew can do tshuva, can try to return to Hashem, and Hashem will have pity on him. Ki Yisroel b'shoroshon heim rochikim legamri meachiza savoydezora, because a Jew at his source, based on where he's rooted, he is the furthest thing in the world from idols. The Jewish people are the soul. We are the source of life, of spiritual life of all the worlds. And the Jewish people are included in and attached to Hashem. Because we have this famous, famous quote from the Zohar Kodesh that Hashem, the Jewish people, and the Torah are all one. Any questions, please? Question in the chat. How can we understand now that the non-Jews are close to Havodah Zorah? Now almost no one worships idols. The answer is there's a number of factors related to this. Number one, there's a famous quote from the Baal Shem Tov, where the Baal Shem Tov says on the words in the Shema that we say, Vesartem, you will turn away, you'll turn away from Hashem. Any turn away from Hashem, Vavadatem Alekim Acherim, is considered like worshipping idols. If a person turns one degree away from Hashem, they're turning towards idol worship. That's idol worship or denial of Hashem. Rabbi Nelson Zal is using the term Avodah but he means both of them. He means idol worship and atheism, any form of denial of Hashem, and really any form of true respect for Hashem, the respect for Hashem that the Jewish people are supposed to have, or Lahavdil, the respect that the non-Jews are supposed to have by observing their seven mitzvahs properly, and by not doing anything at all whatsoever to harm a Jew, but rather trying to be helpful to the Jewish people in whatever way they can. The moment they're not doing those things, the moment they're not observing the seven mitzvahs b'nei noyach, the moment they're doing anything whatsoever to harm a Jew, they're, they're connecting Tavoy de Zorah. Okay, so remember, we're in the topic of Avodah Gilu Yarayis, and Shfichas Domim. Rab Nosnesal started off speaking about Avodah then he went into Gilu Yarayis, and now he came back a little bit to the topic of Avodah And now he's going to move on to the topic of Shfichas Domim. Why these three things are unique in that, in that it's, in, when it comes to these three sins, a Jew is supposed to allow himself to be killed rather than to commit the sin. Paragraph Ches, V'yalkein al shfichas domin gamkein yehoreg This will, based on what we're learning here, we'll understand also why when it comes to committing murder, the law is also that a Jew should rather let themselves be killed rather than to murder another Jew. Kizeh mitzad hasvora because the Gemara tells us this is logical. We don't need a Pasuk to prove this. This is logical. Kemoshom Rabbi Sainazala, as the Gemara points out in Sanhedrin, 
my chos is the domodidoch sumaktfei. Who tells you that your blood is redder than that person's blood? Meaning, what gives you the right to say that you should, you, in order that you should remain alive, it's okay to kill somebody else? Because as we've been learning throughout the, the past two halachas here, the main reason behind why a Jewish life is more important than all the mitzvahs in the Torah, and we put aside just about all the mitzvahs in order to save a Jewish life, is based on the fact that we learned earlier that every single Jew is a composite of the entire Torah. <coughs> just like the Torah has 613 commandments divided into two parts, 248 positive, 365 negative, so too a Jew has 248 organs and 365 tendons. A Jew is like the entire Torah. nefesh and the Jew is like the soul, the battery of the entire world. And therefore, we definitely cannot push aside one Jew for another Jew. We cannot murder one Jew to save another Jew. Now listen to this. The kosher yoisemechaveroi, even if it's one hundred percent clear and obvious that one of the two people is much more religious and a much greater tzaddik than the other one whom he's been to- he's being told to kill, afal pikein ein doichin nefesh mipnei nefesh. Still, <clears throat> we do not allow killing one Jew in order to save another Jew. Because each and every single Jew, based on their faith in Hashem alone, without anything else, even if they're not observing the mitzvahs, if the Jew really believes in Hashem, <coughs> That Jew is the soul and the life of the entire world. Vialkain and therefore calls man Sheshem Yisrael Nikrala. So long as he still carries the name Jew, Dahainu Sheyeshloi Emunaba which means he does have a basic faith in the fact that, that there is a Hashem, Hashem created the world. There's no big bang and there's no little bang, none of that nonsense. He believes that Hashem created the world and Hashem is operating the world. Just he doesn't know the value of tzitzis or tefillin or lighting candles, etc. We need that person. We need that person. That he should continue existing and living in the world. And we do not push that person aside. We do not say it's okay to kill that person in order that another Jew should live. 
Even if it seems to us 100% clear that the other Jew is much more important, much greater, much more religious. Because who knows, who understands the incredible greatness of this Jew regarding their strong faith in Hashem? As we see in actual life, There are times when the least religious Jew was willing to allow himself to be killed more quickly, more easily than big rabbis sometimes. There are stories like this in the Holocaust, in the Spanish Inquisition, of Jews who were not observant. They didn't keep Shabbos, they didn't keep... But when put to a certain test, where the non-Jew tried to get them to show a certain disrespect for Hashem, for the Torah, they said, I don't care, no. I will kill you, kill me, not interested. There's a story in the Gemara where the Romans once told a certain a certain Jew who was not religious. The Romans were afraid to go into the Holy of Holies at a temple to take out things from there. So they told the Jew to go in and bring out things. The Jew went in and he brought out something. Then they told him, now we want you to go into the Holy of Holies and take out the menorah. And he said, that no, that far to go into the Holy of Holies, I'm not going to go. They said, we're going to kill you. He said, no problem, go ahead, kill me. And again, the Gemara shows that each person has a place where they draw their line. And sometimes, even people who are totally not religious, when they're put to a certain test of showing a certain complete disrespect for Hashem, or for the Torah, or for religion, they're ready to give up their lives 100%. V'yalkein, ein doichin nefesh mitnei nefesh la'oilam. And therefore, we never, ever allow killing one Jew to save another Jew. Because every single Jew, so long as he has a certain basic faith, we need him, we need that person to remain in the world. Because every single Jew turns the world, connects the world to Hashem based on that person's level, just through his faith alone. Remember, we have that posseg, V'tzadik be'emunoso yichyeh. V'yefshir lonu laharich be'nefesh v'nefesh. And we do not have the ability to evaluate, to make an evaluation between one Jew and another Jew. Who knows, which one of us knows the power of each and every single Jew regarding his faith, his emuna? That's not something that you can see on the outside at all, necessarily. And therefore, imhu apikoiris, if the person is an apikoiris, which means they show 
He doesn't believe in the truth at all. And again, the Gemara and the Shulchan Aruch give us definitions of what this term apikoiris is. We're going to see this. We'll have this come up. Mitzvah lahorgoi. Then it's a mitzvah to kill such a person. The Gemara says such a person, we, we throw him down into a ditch, and if he's in a ditch, we don't take him out. We don't, we don't try to save his life. Because the main foundation of the entire Torah, of the entire Yiddishkeit, is emuna. As the Gemara says, and that's the, the source of life and existence of all the worlds. That's what's keeping all the worlds alive. As the Pasuk says, all of Hashem's creations are being sustained through Emuna. And as the Pasuk says, that a tzaddik lives with emuna. So emuna is the foundation, and, and emuna alone is enough to, to, to decide that this person is as important as any other person in Klal Yisrael, regarding the fact that we would not be willing to kill this person to save another Jew. There's a famous halacha that if the goyim... If, if let's say someone does a certain crime and the goyim don't know who did it and they approach a city and they say, we don't know who did the sin, give us one Jew and, 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 and uh, we'll kill one Jew and, and we'll, let, we'll let you go. We're not allowed to give up a Jew. We're not allowed to say this Jew, you know, we're going to give in order to save another Jew, that kind of thing. If they say that if you don't give us a, a Jew, I, there's, there's details in this, I'm, I'm not clear in at this moment, but again, depending on the way it's being presented, we cannot choose, we cannot choose one. If they, if they say, give us this person, and we won't destroy the city, otherwise we'll destroy the whole city, then we're allowed to. But for us to choose a person, we're never allowed to do that. A question in the chat, going back to the topic of Gilu Yarayos, in the beginning of paragraph Hey, Rab Zal <coughs> mentioned that the the body and soul are like the concept of the 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 world and the Jewish people, and we said that that's also the concept of male and female, and so too, just like we and and Rab Zal had proved from the Zohar Kodesh that a a woman who is illegal to a man, a woman who is out of bounds for a man, is referred to as an idol regarding that man. The Pesach says, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochoi said to his students, do not look at the idols, referring again to women who were forbidden to them. It wasn't their own wife. And Rabbi Nelson Zal showed that this concept of Pigama Bris is similar in that respect to idol worship. And he spoke also about the, the droplet that makes the connection between a man and a woman, that that originates from the moyach, from the seichel. It's in that paragraph, hey, where he went into this, and therefore, 
when, when it's conducted in a kosher manner properly in order to perpetuate mankind, then it's tikkun ha'olam. It's, it's perfecting, perfecting and allowing the world to exist. Whereas chas v'shalom, when a person does something illegal in this area of the bris, it's as if they're tearing out the soul from its source and they're strengthening the body against the soul. This was, this was mentioned in that part of paragraph Hey was actually the paragraph that dealt with it the most. Baruch Hashem, with this we complete this halacha. Maybe we'll just start the next halacha. Halacha Gimel. Avoida salilim shalakum yesh An idol that's been made by a non-Jew can become nullified and go back to being an ordinary object that you're allowed to use. V'shel Yisroel, but an idol that was formed by a Jew and, and the Jew actually worshipped it, ein lo bitul That idol can never become kosher, can never become an object that you're allowed to use. Uleinyun isura betchila hulehefech. But regarding when it first becomes an idol, the law works in the opposite manner. An idol that's formed or shaped by a non-Jew or designated by a non-Jew becomes forbidden the moment he designates it, even before he actually serves it. Whereas an idol that's made or designated by a Jew does not become a treif object until the Jew actually worships it. As is explained in chapter 139 in Yoridea. This halacha is going to be based on chapter 25 in Likutemran. This is, this is part of the story where Rabbi Yoshua ben Hananiah, who was called the Hakima de Yehudoin, the wisest one of all the Jews, went on a mission to defeat the 60 wise men of Athens, the 60 philosophers. The Gemara tells this story in Bechoyres, in the beginning of Bechoyres, and the Gemara tells an incredible, amazing story how he found them and how he defeated them in all the arguments. And the Gemara actually mentions the debates that they had. One of the debates was where they said to him, show us something that's not worth the damage that it causes. So the Gemara says, he said, no problem. He took a large mattress and he tried to bring it through a doorway and the doorway was too narrow to get it through. So he said, let's bring an ax, let's chop down the whole doorway so we can get the mattress through. This is an example of an object that's not worth the destruction that it causes. Ayin Shom, take a look, study this chapter on the Kutimran to have a real solid introduction to this halacha. Vahaklal, to summarize what Rabbi Nezal speaks about over there, ki tzorich kolodom lohoitzies atzmoi mehamedame velalois el hasechel. Rabbi Nezal there mentions that one of the most important things that a Jew is supposed to accomplish in life in this world is to be zorichet to sechel, to be zorichet to true intellect. And real sechel means recognition of Hashem. That's the most important sechel. 
real recognition of Hashem, and to take ourselves out of medame. The word medame, we've mentioned many times, has multiple definitions. Medame can mean fantasy, dreamland. Medame can mean make-believe. Medame can mean sheker, falseness, lies. The word ledamois means to imitate, something that imitates something else. You have gold that costs $2,000 an ounce, and you have imitation gold that costs $2 an ounce. This is real, this is not real. This is medame, in a sense. And our mission in this world <coughs> is to take ourselves out of medame into seichel, v'chulu, etc. Rabbi Nezal elaborates on this over here. Because another, another term for koyach hamedame is koyach habehemis. It's like the animal inside of us. That's the source of all of our materialistic desires and all of our confusion, our lack of clarity. Shehem haklipois and this is also sometimes referred to as the klipa, the husk, the peel that comes before the fruit, that covers the fruit. And in order to get to the fruit, you have to first be able to remove the klipa in order to get to the fruit. V'chulu, etc. V'i efshar l'achniya haklipa yisdainu ademiyoyinu yisvamachshovo yisvataivo yisvabilbulim shebuchol madrego shekulom imbechines koyach hamedame i efshar l'achniyom Rabbi Nezal explains over there in the Kudimran that this concept of Koyach is not like a once-in-a-lifetime battle. Every level that a Jew is supposed to keep trying to climb from level to level, always trying to go higher and higher, and on each and every level there's the Koyach of that level. There's the Sheker on that level, the Klipa, the Demyoinos, and everything. And the only way that we can defeat these klipois, these demyoinois, these machshavois, these taivois and bilbulim, which are all under that umbrella term koyach is through gedula saboyrei, through the greatness of Hashem, by revealing the greatness of Hashem. Dahainu alidei hisgalus hagavnen shebekese vezohov. The example that Rabbi Nezal gives in that chapter on the Kutuman, he tells us that gold and silver shine. They shine, they sparkle. That shine of the gold and silver is divine light. There is divine light in gold and silver. That's what gives it its glow. That's what gives it its importance. That's why gold costs so much money and silver costs so much money. And that's why gold was used and silver were used in the Beis HaMikdosh. And that's why kings and queens and rich people use gold and silver. <clears throat> because it has these gavnen, it has the, these divine colors, these divine light inside of them. And Rabbi Nezal says there, we have to reveal this light that's found in the gold and silver. And the way that we accomplish this is by giving charity to a real, worthy, poor person or cause. By doing that, we reveal 
and we cause the, those heavenly lights that are found in gold and silver to really shine brightly. Shehem Iker Gedula Saboire. And they are one of the most powerful forms of revealing the greatness of Hashem. That's why in the Beis Hamikdash, you had gold and silver. And the holier section in the Beis Hamikdash you went into, the more gold and silver. For example, you had the Mizbach Hanachoshes. You had the Mizbeach, which was from copper. That's called the Mizbeach HaChitzoyim. That's the outer Mizbeach that was in the courtyard. But the Mizbeach that was inside, the Mizbach HaKtoyres, gold, gold, gold. The Menorah, gold. Everything was silver, all these different, different things. V'gavnen iloin ha-meluboshim b'kesev ezohov e'in me'irin ele eitzel Yisroel. Rabbi Nezal explains over there, these divine colors, these divine lights that are found in gold and silver only shine when the gold and silver is in the possession of a Jew. Kishom Meklemam, because that's their place. Bebechinas, as the Pesach says, Yisroel asher becho espoer, the Jewish nation in whom I take pride. That's the regular translation. Yisroel asher the Jewish nation asher in you espoer, are these colors. Tiferes means multicolored. However, when the gold and silver is in the possession of a non-Jew, then these colors, these lights, go into hiding. They do not shine. Because that's not really their place. Their true place is only in the possession of a Jew. The Jewish people, in you, by you, is this espoir. It's inside of the Jewish nation. That's where these beautiful colors belong. That's where they're supposed to be. We'll hold it over here for now. Any questions, please? A question. How exactly do gold and silver reveal the greatness of Hashem? The answer is, and Yitz Hashem will take this up in the next shir. Rabbi Nezal discusses this over there. <clears throat> in other words, the Zohar Kodesh tells us that gold and silver are actually silver, corresponds to chesed. Silver is whiteness. Silver is like white. Silver is a, refle- a, a display of the midas chesed of Hashem. The color silver, that, that glow and silver shines. And gold leans more towards the side of redness, and gold corresponds to the mead of Gvura. And in the Zohar Kodesh, it refers to Kes, throughout the entire Torah, gold and silver are mentioned hundreds of times because of the fact that these actually represent the Midas of Hashem. There's tremendous holiness and, and importance in them when they're used properly, we're in the right place. Wishing everybody a wonderful week and Basura Stovas of every type. Amen. Amen. Thank you.